All right. <clears throat> Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Illusion of Consensus podcast with myself, Rav Arora, and Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. We are really excited to bring you this new podcast episode on a very timely and important topic, which is the new court ruling by Judge Terry Doughty, who has now ruled that senior Biden administration officials are now prohibited from contacting social media companies and coordinating with them to moderate, censor, and suppress posts that are protected under the First Amendment. Uh, Jay, thanks for uh, being here, and I'm really looking forward to breaking this down together. Great to be here with you, Rav, again. Um, and I think this is such an important podcast because the ruling by Judge Dowdy, it's the first big First Amendment ruling uh, by a, a major uh, major federal court in the U.S., uh, regarding uh, in the social media era. And uh, I th- and I think it has big implications for what the government can and can't do and for the free speech rights of Americans. Uh, and it's going to be great to talk th- through this with you so that people can understand what it means for their rights uh, go- going forward. Yeah, the, the implications of this are very broad and relate to many ordinary people because the censorship regime was extended pretty far out where ordinary people were being censored and suppressed on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and other platforms. So let's get into all that. But first, do you want to tell the listeners what your involvement in this case was? Sure. Um, So uh, so sometime about a year ago, uh, I heard from the Missouri and Louisiana Attorney General's offices, and they asked me if I'd be interested in supporting a First Amendment case that they were bringing against the Biden administration. Um, the, uh, the the backdrop, the background for this is that uh, in in the, in the previous years, uh, I had been pretty active um, in in social media settings, uh, in, in to in in uh, not so much Twitter in 2021, but in on YouTube and elsewhere, uh, basically giving my views about pandemic policy. In March of 2021, I had been part of a public roundtable invited by Governor DeSantis uh, in in Florida to to discuss uh, various aspects of COVID policy, you know, vaccine mandates, uh, masking of children, and so on. And in the course of that conversation, the governor asked me what I thought about uh, the evidence on child masking. You know, like in the United States, we mask children as young as two. Uh, the uh, the World Health Organization actually didn't recommend masking anyone under six, and the European CDC didn't recommend masking anyone under twelve. And I'd looked into this literature, and I found that that uh, that there was no randomized evidence, no high quality evidence whatsoever that masking children had any effect on disease spread. And so I told the governor this in public. Now this um, this public roundtable. Was was videotaped and then put on the air by uh, a local Florida TV station, which then took that recording and put it on YouTube. And YouTube, a, a day or two after, just a few days after we recorded this public roundtable, where the sitting governor of Florida was telling, showing people the scientific advice he was getting, the basis of which he made policy with, um, he the YouTube censored the video, took it down. And I think the 
this, the, the attorney general's offices knew this. And of course, the, uh, the, the people of, of Louisiana, Missouri are, are harmed by not having access to, to basic scientific information um, or just even just the fact that scientists may disagree with each other about, about these, these sorts of things. Um, and so they were, they asked if I would write an affidavit in support of this. And I, I happily did that. That There was that and there were uh, several other instances. Uh, for instance, when we wrote the, the Great Barrington Declaration in October of 2020, the, the uh, uh, Google had, had, uh, had suppressed search, search terms for it in, in many places around the world. Uh, early on, Facebook took down a uh, took down the Great Barrington Declaration page. Um, so I just described uh, how I'd been censored. Now, now Martin Kuldorf, who was a also a co-author of the Great Barrington Declaration and also uh, a biostatistician and epidemiologist at Harvard, um, he had also uh, he also wrote an affidavit in support of this. He he'd been on Twitter pretty actively, and uh, several a, po- a post of his things that said very basic things, like uh, for instance. Um, that uh, that that masking um, w- wasn't wasn't necessarily a great idea. Might even might even kill people if you if they if they don't work. They make people more confident they ought to be. That post got taken down, even though it's very likely true. Um, he he done a post where he'd said um, that vaccines, the COVID vaccine, essentially the, the the upshot was that you should account for age. Right, so it's it, it's it's highly it maybe valuable for some older people, but but less valuable for younger people. Like it's that what to say that vaccines are that everyone should take vaccines is as unscientific as saying no one should. He said because um, it depends on who the the the, the, the benefits and and uh, and potential harms, and it may differ for different people. Um, and so uh, he got that post got taken down. So he wrote an affidavit. I wrote an affidavit. Uh, Aaron Cariotti, another another UC Irvine. Um, uh, bioethicist uh, and psychiatrist wrote an affidavit. He he also had been had faced very very similar censorship, and uh, 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 that the case went forward uh, in August. I think it's uh, July or August of twenty twenty two is when it started. Uh, now a little bit more backdrop. There had been a whole bunch of lawsuits brought by people who had been censored on social media. Previous to this, these lawsuits, the they were almost always they were always against the social media companies themselves. And the problem with that was that uh, there was a law called the Communications Decency Act in the U.S. and and under, there was a section of that act called Section Two Thirty, which essentially said that social media companies um, were allowed to do content moderation. Content moderation means taking down posts in support of like ba- basic things, like you know you can take down posts that that threaten violent action against somebody, or um, or you know a child porn. You can take down. They can, they, there are like content moderation policies that are permissible, but that the social media companies themselves are not traditional publishers. They're, they uh, so for instance, if I post something that says uh, some lie about somebody else, well. The social media company isn't liable for publishing that lie, whereas like a traditional media company might be liable for a, a you know libel suit might might be you know vulnerable to a libel suit. Section two thirty protected the social media companies from that from that kind of action, that legal action. And so when pri- uh, people would sue you know LinkedIn or or uh, or Twitter or whatever, generally what would happen is that the courts would say, well look, look these are private companies. Section two thirty allows them to do content moderation. 
this is completely legal. They're allowed to take that to take this down. Now uh, there is an ex- there's one exception, and, and uh, I know we're going to have an opportunity to talk with them tomorrow. Uh, is uh, Alex Berenson had had some success with Twitter, um, suing Twitter, and the key to that success, I think, was that he showed that Twitter was col- uh, that that government actors were collaborating with Twitter, telling Twitter to take Alex down, um, and Twitter settled as a consequence of that. With that lawsuit, but the lawsuit was also against Twitter. the The unique thing about this Missouri versus Biden case is that the the attorney generals of Missouri and Louisiana were suing the uh, Biden administration. The government was acting out of line with. So the issue wasn't the Communications Decency Act. That wasn't the issue. The issue was the American First Amendment, because the American First Amendment enjoins the federal government from acting in this way like working to censor the speech of, of private citizens, which is exactly what they're doing. Mm. Yeah. So let me read um, part of <clears throat> Judge Dowdy's uh, statement. So he said, the plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits in establishing that <clears throat> the government has used its power to silence the opposition, opposition to COVID vaccines, opposition to masking, lockdowns, lab leak theory, Opposition to the validity of the 2020 election, President Biden's policies, statements that the Hunter Biden laptop story was true, and opposition to policies of government officials in power. All were suppressed. It is quite telling that each example or category of suppressed speech was conservative in nature. This targeted suppression of conservative ideas is a perfect example of viewpoint discrimination of political speech. American citizens have the right to engage in free debate about the significant issues affecting the country. Now, that's a very interesting statement, and I want your thoughts on that. But I will highlight this is not um, while while a lot of the speech that was being censored was conservative in nature. This is really not about left or right. I mean, (laughs) Alex Berenson has talked about how he's been labeled a conservative, but he's not. His political affiliation is not conservative. He's been very critical of Trump. Um, and he's, you know, he's not a Republican voter. This is, this is not about left versus right. This is about actually talking about these very important issues and distributing a diversity of ideas and, you know, supporting vaccine mandates, you know, if, if that's liberal and opposing it as conservative, then sure. But these issues go beyond political ideology. It's about freedom of expression. And I think that's really important to highlight. Yeah, I think I think that 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 uh, that quote is is a it's I mean I think it's true, but it's also a narrow, too narrow, right? So, yeah. um, the key thing here is that uh, the the uh, so the 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 suit started out with COVID, right? Because the the, the at that time the, the the key issue was the social media companies suppressing debate about COVID science and COVID policy. I, I agree with you, Rav. It's not a left right thing, not, not at least not in principle. It's just a free speech question. Like, are you allowed to have these kinds of scientific conversations, these policy conversations online openly, or will the government put their thumb on the scale? Um, and uh, it was it was interesting because uh, so as as the case went on, um, so what happened was that the judge in the case we presented enough evidence that 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 that, that we'd been suppressed that the judge in the case allowed. The, the attorney generals of Missouri and Louisiana uh, to have a dis- very broad discovery 
of what the government was actually doing. Now, what, what the way discovery works is is it's not most cases won't get to this stage because um, the, it's they're, 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 you know there's not there's not evidence to warrant it. But what discovery means is that that the that the these Louisiana Missouri Attorney General's offices got to read the emails and communications of the government to social media companies. And when I say the government, I mean like particular people inside the government, Tony Fauci, right? Jennifer Psaki, the head of the, the communications director of the White House, uh, the Surgeon General of the United States, the CDC's communications with with, uh, with the NIH's communications with the mm-hmm. uh, with uh, social media companies. We got to read their, we got to read their Andy communications. Andy Slavitt, obviously with, with the Alex Berenson case. Yeah, we got to read. We got to read the emails of these folks. Um, uh, now, these are the, the, why do we get to read these emails? Because these these are actually public documents. These are not classified. They're 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 uh, actions on that the beha- the government is taking on behalf of the American people, and so they the American people should be able to read them. If if uh, if if especially in the context of a legal case like this, we also got to depose, meaning uh, the lawyers in the case got to ask questions to. Uh, uh, under oath to to people like Tony Fauci, That's a, you can actually you can go see the the the, the at least the transcript of the, depo- the of the deposition eight hours of questions, um, and the picture it painted was a very broad effort by the government to suppress speech online, not simply in the context of COVID, but in the context of many many other other things, often uh, policies and ideas that were particularly affecting. Conservative Americans, right? So, for instance, if you wanted to say that you doubted whether the election was valid, I mean, I thought the election was valid, but like, you know, it's a legitimate thing for people to say it's not. That's just within the bounds. Certainly, the government shouldn't be suppressing that that people saying that. Um, that 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 the government that used its power over social media to suppress that discussion, right? Um, on topic after topic. It looked like the government was using its broad censorship power to to, to suppress uh, discussion that was inconvenient to the political uh, aspirations of the of the of the of the Biden administration, and so that's that's the backdrop of that of that paragraph you read. It turned out to be a a, a censorship engine, a huge. Uh, Michael Schellenberg calls it a uh, Matt Taibbi call it a censorship industrial complex. Designed to make to 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 uh, uh, sort of channel public discussion in, in a particular particular way to uh, essentially uh, reduce the social status of people who disagreed with the government, make them seem as if they were purveying uh, purveyors of misinformation or con- or conspiracy theories, even though they were all they were saying was, for instance, in my case, all I was saying was what my view of the of the, the of the medical literature was regarding masking. Right, um, and so uh, so that was that's the backdrop of the case, um, and what we discovered was was absolutely shocking. Right, so what we what we found, for instance, was that this, these government officials were directly threatening these social media companies if they didn't comply. So what would happen is the government would set they had a they had direct line into the like databases of these companies. And communication with the like the trust and safety people within these within these social media companies, and so you'd see like emails from Rob Flaherty, who's a who's a White House uh, White, White, White House uh, communications aide or something, or like a, a, a chief deputy something, 
Yeah, um, he's he's the ex deputy assistant of the president. So really, really high in the White House. Yep. He'd send an email to Facebook, and he'd say, uh, "Look, if if you don't, here are people that need to be censored. Mm. Here are accounts that need to be censored. Here are ideas that need to be censored." And if you don't listen to us, if you don't censor these people, take deplatform these people, put misinformation labels on these people, then you know you should remember that the federal government has broad regulatory authority over your companies. Section two hundred and thirty protections are regulated by the federal government. The implicit message was really clear: if you don't listen to us, if you don't censor the way we're telling you to censor. I mean, that's a nice company you have there. Wouldn't it be terrible if something were to happen to it? Um, it the, the threat was, I mean, it was just clear from every single one of those, or for, from a lot of those emails that um, that these companies, even though they were, they, they sometimes looked like they were cooperating. In fact, they were operating under a threat, a threat by the federal government that if they didn't comply, uh, that they would be, they, they would be regulated out of existence. And, in, and around the same time, you had President Biden going around saying things like, uh, Facebook is killing people by permitting yeah. misinformation. Yeah, even this uh, Flaherty uh, figure, um, he was accusing Facebook of causing political violence by not censoring false COVID claims. And then Facebook defended its policies by acknowledging that uh, the, the distribution of vaccine skeptical content is not violence. But th- this is the kind of extremist hyperbolic language that was used to justify this kind of censorship. Yeah, I mean, it was it was remarkable at the time. As, I mean, I mean, I think even now, like the, the the defense seems to be that well, you can't permit this speech to be platformed because it's just too dangerous for the world. It's yeah. it's you know, it's like the nuclear weapon of speech just for for Jay to say that uh, that that uh, you know, masking toddlers doesn't do anything for COVID spread. Um, even though masking toddlers doesn't do anything for COVID spread, um, and so, so like you know, it's it's one of these things where like uh, you read it and you go, okay, what makes them think that they have the right to do this? Like the American First Amendment specifically says that, that the government can't do this kind of activity, and that's essentially what Judge Dowdy found was that was that like the American First Amendment did, said this. Actually, there's a really amusing thing that happened, Rav, and uh, we found this in Discovery. Um, in uh, I think it was like April of 2021, the uh, the CDC, the U.S. CDC, had found some uh, reports that the the J and J vaccine was causing uh, some uh, an uptick an uptick of, of, of a signal of of people get of, of especially older women, middle aged and older women getting um, some strokes, blood clotting. And so they paused something they called a the, the pa- they paused the distribution of the J and J vaccine for a week, and then a week later they they reversed themselves. Um, now, uh, actually, Martin had Kuldorf had written an op ed saying that the, the pause was a bad idea. Um, that in fact the evidence for the signal was so weak that it wasn't worth doing that, and that and he predicted that it would lead to uh, people no longer trusting the vaccines, not just the J&J vaccines, but, the, but all of the vaccines, which is exactly what happened. He was absolutely right. Now, he got fired by the CDC for that from his post as a scientific scientific advisor to the CDC um, for, for for blowing the whistle on the CDC's mistake with that. Yeah, um, that's, so, that's so crazy because he's smeared as this guy who's opposing these policies to protect people 
and you know to encourage vaccination yet here he was fired for not being uh for, for being critical of their decision to remove the J&J vaccine from the public he was fired for being too pro vax rap yeah exactly <laughs> that's crazy i, I mean yeah, and of course he wasn't it's not a question of pro or anti vax he's he was yeah. just reflecting his scientific opinion about what the evidence regarding that signal was saying yeah and then and making an accurate prediction about what that would do to confidence in the in the in the covid vaccines um so uh now the funny thing is the white house put out the announcement of the CDC pausing the J&J vaccine on, on its Facebook page. And then all of a sudden, the growth in the White, White House Facebook page slowed down to a crawl. Very few people were, were seeing the White House posts all of a sudden. And you see these emails from we, we found in, the, in, the, in this Missouri versus Biden case, we see these emails from Rob Flaherty to Facebook say, uh, screaming at them, essentially saying, what are you guys doing to our account? Why are we seeing no growth? You better look into this or else. And the Facebook folks come back to him and look at, look into it and say, well, you know, um, you guys posted this J&J thing, uh, J&J pause, uh, criticizing the J&J vaccine and our algorithms that you helped us, made us dis- implement, tagged the White House as an anti-vax group. And so that's why your posts are, are, are your, your account isn't growing. And so there's this like long back and forth with uh, the White House um, and uh, and Facebook of trying to like get the White House no longer tagged as an anti-vax group because of the J and J pause. So you know, so one of these things where like once you've created this machine, it doesn't matter what's true, it doesn't matter what's false. People just get snagged into it, and their speech gets tagged um, as a consequence of this machine. It's and, and I think Judge Dowdy's ruling essentially says, look, this is a power the federal government shouldn't have. It's inconsistent with basic civil rights. And the basic civil right here at play is the ability for people to express their ideas. There is nothing in the American First Amendment that says the Ameri- that the government has a right to suppress false misinformation. It just yeah. says that the American government has no right to suppress speech at all. And um, and this what the what the ruling essentially does is say, look, you can't do this. You you the, gov- the federal government do not or the gov- government do not have this power to do this. You're violating basic rights. And and, and from a and uh, you know from a scientific view, like how do you how do you correct misinformation? Well, it's it's by by speaking, right? It's by speaking. Like this 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 is not uh, a a. Uh, you know, there's no magic power that says that the government knows the truth and everyone else that disagrees with them is is thereby spreading misinformation or lies. No, the government is our human just like anyone else. And, and they often land on ideas that are false. And that's what happened here, right? They The government put forward, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, um, false ideas about the science of COVID, about COVID vaccines stopping disease spread, about the, the the possibility of side effects of the vaccine, about the efficacy of masking for for, for at, at, at a mass level, about the about about the harms of school closures, and topic after topic after topic, the government would put out things that were like at the very least disputable, and then they would use their censorship industrial complex to 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 malign people that disagreed with them even though the, those people may be putting out true information. 
the way you correct misinformation is that you allow speech to happen. Yeah. And, and the government violated that here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember a lot of the posts that were censored or flagged on Twitter. I remember uh, a couple of Martin's tweets on natural immunity and how not everyone needs the vaccine. That was flagged as a misinformation. I remember Dr. Tracy Beth Hogue, she tweeted out Dr. Retsif Levy's uh, peer-reviewed study and just quoted from it about the sharp rise in EMS 911 calls in 16 to 39-year-olds after the first and second dose of the mRNA vaccine in Israel. And that was flagged as as misinformation or I, for, I forget what the exact thing was, but it was t- it was given this like red tag that this, this could be misleading information. It's like all these things were true. Natural immunity was real. Not everyone needed the vaccine. There was a sharp uptake in these cardiac events uh, that was found in the study. Yeah, this was this was all part of this expansive censorship regime, and the, the it, its tentacles were like expanded so wide that like even even the littlest kind of transgressions. I mean, not even transgressions, but things that were legitimately true were captured under that category and were, was then censored and suppressed, and therefore. You know, many people who don't know, you know, uh, about these particular topics or don't have the time to investigate these topics deeply, they they look at Martin's tweet and they're like, "Oh, this is misleading." Okay, that that must be misleading. Let's move on. Let's look at the next thing and try to find different information. And so, people who don't have the time to carefully look at these topics were actively misled by these very broad and draconian censorship policies all over Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other platforms. I, I think you bring up something very, very important here, right? Like, what is the nature of modern censorship, right? Because they can't actually stop me from talking, right? And there's the, the there's the internet available. Like, I mean, I can I can put stuff out on Rumble, if not on YouTube. Um, the 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 way that modern censorship actually works is by reputational destruction and by deplatforming. So. The, the the federal government tells you know threatens Facebook says if you don't censor these people censor these ideas we're going to threaten we're going to destroy your company. Facebook complies, and they put mis you know this this post is misleading or they suppress the spread they put do a tw- they do a trends blacklist or something on like they did with Twitter did with me, um, and it has two effects. One is it reduces the the set of people that end up seeing the uh my ideas and then the second thing is that because like there's this like cloud over me people people disbelieve me just because of the cloud created by the government censorship efforts itself so this kind of reputational destruction is is a key tool in this uh in the censorship regime it's the way that illusion of consensus it's like it works it's how the illusion of consensus is created by uh, by by labeling people, even if they're, they're saying true things, they're just, they're just inconvenient to the government um, as as misinformation spreaders. Truth or falsity doesn't matter there. All that matters is that you're saying things that the government doesn't want said, and so and then and then they use the social media companies as an amplifier as a as a tool something that something that they would not normally ever be allowed to do. They will do by using third parties to do it. Normally, the First Amendment would pre- prevent that kind of action, but if you do it through a third party like the social media companies, now all of a sudden it's it's apparently legal. Uh, the beautiful thing about this Missouri versus Biden case 
is that it exposes that whole structure. It says, look, none of that is consistent with the American First Amendment. Mm. And just to put a finer point on on the consequences that social media companies faced, I mean, you mentioned a bit of it already, but what what exactly was threatened if social media companies did not comply with the orders of the federal government? I mean, the, the main thing was Section 230 violations. Right. Yep. So they, they would say, look, your guys aren't uh, that. The, I mean, they, in fact, Rob Flaherty's emails specifically talk about Section 230 violations, uh, the emails to the to, to Facebook. Like, so why aren't you doing this? And, they, and, it, and it was, you know, it was, if you have someone, the deputy assistant in the White House yelling at you, um, yeah. I mean, there's a power imbalance there that's implicit in this. Like you have this like tr- the most powerful government on the on the face of the earth. Uh, a high official in it, very close to president, the president himself saying, you better do this, or uh, there's an implicit threat. Um, and so you can read the responses from the, from the folks at Facebook and Twitter and so on in the, in the, in the, in these uh, cited in the, in the, in the affidavits and in the, um, in the filings in the case, uh, and in fact, in Judge Dowdy's rulings. Um, you, and what you, the sense you get is uh, they, they, these, these folks at these companies they want essentially to for this just to go away, and so they're complying to make sure to, to somehow make to limit the possibility that there's that they're going to face some uh, some some action by the government that harms them. Um, not, not, and like you know, what do you do when you do that? You don't you don't antagonize the person with the power. You try to just say, okay, we'll try to we'll try to get do, do what you want to do to make it make it. And occasionally you see them pushing back. Saying, well, this doesn't violate our terms of service, and then you see like an escalation where like uh, Flaherty would just yell louder, um, or Saki or wh- whoever, like, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, and and so and and like and and the scientists, like people like Tony Fauci, their role in it essentially was to, was to inform what ought to be censored. They'd say things that were, I'd say, I'd say inconsistent with the evidence. Regarding masking, regarding you know uh, vaccine med uh, va- immunity after COVID recovery and so on, um, and uh, the government would essentially st- structure their uh, their censorship policies around that those falsehoods, right? So like the Surgeon General's office last year put out a call for misinformation that people see. If you see it, report it to the government, right? Um, in fact, I wrote a letter with the Indiana Attorney General and Martin Kuldorf to the American Surgeon General uh, listing nine instances where uh, it was the government that was putting out misinformation about COVID science. Um, uh, but uh, it, it, I mean, it was a little bit cheeky, but like the idea was was simple. It's like, it's not, it's not only regular people that are misinforming, it's the government. But the key thing there is that that those incorrect readings of the science were then uh, were were then used as the content of what was censored, of what was what you know folks in the White House then would use to f- to force social media companies to censor. Yeah, so let's just uh, take a minute and read here what exactly Dowdy said. He said, "Federal government agencies and officials are prohibited from quote specifically flagging content or posts on social media platforms." and or forwarding such to social media companies, urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner for removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing protected free speech. Now, that does include some exceptions, 
um, such as posts about criminal activity, criminal conspiracies, national security threats, threats to election security, public safety threats, uh, uh, cyber crimes, uh, permissible public government speech promoting government policies or views on matters of public concern. Um, that, that's specifically what what Dowdy outlined is that is that's what government agencies are no longer allowed to do. I mean, I think that's a beautiful order, right? Because it it correctly says that there are some uh, some uh, speech that the government and the people have an interest in suppressing. So, for instance, you know, violent threats against people ought not be something that should be legally permissible, right? That's not that's not protected by the American First Amendment. Um. So, uh, but on the other hand, uh, scientific debate. The U.S. government has absolutely no business policing social media on it. Um, it it's and, and so and so Judge Dowdy's orders makes the correct distinction. I think it in the public interest. It says, look, uh, the government can't tell social media companies what to censor and who to censor on 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 basic things that every that we ought to be allowed to talk about. As a, as a, as a, and the First Amendment clearly protects. Um, it can tell social media companies that there's a con- criminal conspiracy going on. You might want to police your platform so that this con- criminal conspiracy doesn't happen. Uh, you're, you're, you don't abet this criminal conspiracy. That's completely legitimate. Um, it's funny because I've been I've been seeing on on social media uh, and and in and in some uh, mainly left wing weirdly left wing media circles. Um, th- this response to this ruling saying things like, well, this ruling suppresses the rights of the government to speak. Yeah, I've seen that as well. It's exactly yeah. backwards, Raf. It's exactly backwards. Right. So if I'm a if I'm a uh, official inside this, the, the, the federal bureaucracy and I, I and, you know, like whatever for whatever reason, I I get to write some report about, uh, you know, uh, about the about the efficacy of the vaccine. Right. So you might maybe you can imagine the CDC writing some report or publishing some report. Hmm. Nothing in this order says they can't write that report. Nothing in this order says does, says that they can't disseminate that report widely. Nothing in this order says no, that enjoins them from from that kind of speech at all. The only thing this enjoins them from doing is saying, "Well, if someone writes on Twitter disagreeing with the report, you should censor them, Facebook. You should censor them, Twitter. You should censor them, YouTube. If someone disagrees with the content of some of some federal bureaucrat's report, that that's that's sufficient for that." That that fact to not happen, uh, that 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 post to not happen. Um, yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, yeah, I don't see ahead. how that's like a restriction at all. That's something that they should never be able to do in the first place. Yeah, yeah, and and Dowdy specifically said, you know, they can't do any of the flagging or encouraging, urging, pressuring, or inducing any manner for removal for content containing protected free speech. Not criminal speech, right? If there's a national security threat, if there's something very serious going on, right, that would be allowed. But yeah, right. So free if I'm speaking yeah. troop movements or something, I'm not. It's not free speech. That's because that's yeah. that's covered under uh, under like you know uh, like uh, acts that prevent people from releasing classified information, right, or tr- secret information. Um, yeah. yeah so but, but 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 tweeting out that these vaccines don't stop transmission. 
or infection and there's uh, a, a serious side effect profile with myocarditis and other yeah, things. No, yeah, that, that, that's all. That's all protected, right? And that that wasn't protected. I mean, it's. Most I, I, mean, I, I think it's funny because, like, I think most much of what what uh, what I was talking about and Martin was talking about those turned out to be absolutely true in the scientific literature. We just saw it before yeah. most people did. Um, uh, the, but even if it was false, it's protected. There's nothing that says that the government has the right to. Uh, to su- to to suppress false speech either, uh, as long as it's yeah. protected. It, it's the truth truth or falsity of speech is not a test to check whether the government is allowed to suppress it or not. It's just not allowed to suppress it at all. Yeah. Now it's. I think it's important to talk about this. A, a White House official uh, responded to this court uh, injunction. Um, uh, an unnamed White House official said that they're reviewing the case, and they said. The administration has promoted responsible actions to protect public health, safety, and security when confronted by challenges like a deadly pandemic and foreign attacks on our elections. Our consistent view remains that social media platforms have a critical responsibility to take account of the effects of their platforms, uh, to, to take account of the effects their platforms are having on the American people, but make independent choices about the information they present. So, you know, the justification, right, is going to be that this is a deadly pandemic. People are dying. And so we are taking the responsible actions to intervene and to censor these posts that may get people killed. Right. The fact that this is a a virus that is killing some amount of people is kind of exploited. The fear around that is exploited to justify censoring content that turned out to be very true. I mean, the irony is that I think the government actions to censor speech probably ended up killing people. Um, like when you're talking about speech regarding scientific speech, pol- science policy speech around a deadly pandemic, every word anybody says impinges on life, right? So, uh, like the question isn't whether uh, whether one person's speech, you know, if Tony Fauci's speech impinges on life, if he makes a mistake, and I think he made tremendous mistakes. Um, well, people died as a result of that mistake. Uh, if I make a mistake. I have less of a platform than Tony Fauci. I don't have an official position, so it's unlikely that I'm I'm going to end up having as as big an impact of him. But the the speech I'm talking about, the speech I make, impinges on life, right? So again, that can't be the test. That can't be the test. It's funny because, like you know, like I would have thought uh, an organization like the uh, the American ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, would have would have come up, stepped up. I mean, they're 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 most famous for. defending Nazis walking through, uh, you know, or, or, or was it Ku Klux Klan walking through Indiana? Um, yeah. And their, their idea was very, very simple. Like if you can protect the speech of these loathsome people, KKK walking through Indiana, um, well, that means everybody's speech is protected. Right. Um, and yet they didn't step up. It, it, I was actually, I, I, the, the, the lawyers I worked with, uh, that helped me with this case or with this uh, group called the New Civil Liberties Alliance. So why did it take a new organization to step up for free speech in the U.S.? Why didn't the old old yeah. guard that used to, to protect free speech step up? And and I think, Rob, you've hit it. It's They thought that the, that the fact that there was a pandemic on justified speech, speech restrictions, when in fact I think the opposite instinct should have been right. The fact there's a pandemic on, we have a new virus, a new scientific uh, threat, like a new scientific, uh, uh, you know, an area for science. 
you need more speech. You need more people. You need more ideas. You need people disagreeing with each other, um, and uh, and and doing so in, a, in an even-handed way, in order to get near the truth. And by by essentially by censoring speech, you froze in an incorrect view about the virus, about the science policy, about all the about the, the vaccine mandates, and so on, that would have been challenged earlier. Right. So, for instance, if there hadn't been the suppression of speech. I think that schools would not have closed for as long as they did in many places, hmm. right? Because the suppression of of the idea that the closing schools isn't, isn't protected isn't isn't actually reducing the spread of the virus. That if that fact had been allowed to be o- openly, evenly debated, people would have seen the scientific evidence that that was true long before. Or the vaccine mandates, I think, wouldn't have been would not have been implemented um, because of the the it would have been much easier to say and show. Um, uh, spread the spread the word that was coming out in the scientific literature that the vaccines don't stop disease spread, or that immunity after COVID recovery actually was an important thing, right? So if that the censorship hadn't happened, so many of the destructive policies that we followed would have been avoided, or 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 had, had would have been um, you know sort of re- reversed earlier. The the censorship policies themselves were harmful, and it was really important to have speech during a pandemic, not the opposite. And so the White House response to this is exactly backwards. Yeah. Now you mentioned the ACLU and, and they've taken very antithetical positions to what they were initially founded on. Um, like in, in the pandemic alone, they came out in defense of vaccine mandates, even though um, one of their founding principles was not to ever infringe on bodily autonomy or coerce people to take medical treatments they don't want to take. I remember I remember Glenn Greenwald did a great segment on this uh, a couple years ago, but they actively came out and said, we support vaccine mandates as a necessary public health good. Um, and same here. I mean, their their silence is is quite indicative of, of, of where they are and where in general the the views and sentiments around free speech are. I mean, the, the coverage in mainstream media outlets, The New York Times, The Washington Post, you could see um, in the way that this was being discussed that now the government is going to be you know, obstructed in in their uh, ability to protect Americans from misinformation, like writing pieces in a very specific tone, kind of siding with the federal government, which is very strange because you w- you wouldn't expect journalists and media uh, uh, outlets to defend the government in these coercive and censorious policies. But the free speech paradigm is kind of switched, where you know people like the, the Matt Taibbi's, the Glenn Greenwalds. Uh, you know, the Barry Weisses of the world, those people are kind of the fringes now. And the sort of the mainstream dominant narrative is that you need censorship in order to protect people from certain kinds of ideas that could endanger them, right? Free, free speech is no longer the the top par- paramount value. Now it's sort of protecting people um, from these perceived threats. But the problem is, is that these officials got so many things wrong. I mean, I mean, e- even if they were right, you could still argue, you know, our position. But the fact that they got so many things wrong, the fact that they, you know, weren't able to um, properly warn the public about the myocarditis risk, you know, in sufficient time, you know, their messaging on, you know, vaccinating, you know, pregnant women, young infants, you know, talking about long COVID and the risks that young people face from COVID and why they need to get their their fourth bivalent shot. I mean, all those things, you know, really make it difficult to trust the government and what they do. And it's it's all the more 
ridiculous and egregious that after getting all these things wrong, they actually want to impose censorship to justify those things when they were very, very wrong. They weren't right. Yeah. I mean, I think um, uh, it's, it's, it's very, it's like, there's like a double irony here. Like, so, so you have like, on the one hand, uh, like the ACLU actually before the pandemic, years before the pandemic, I think in response to the HIV, the, like the overreaches by the government in uh, restricting people's behavior regarding HIV, they had, they'd written a, a, a beautiful report about government overreach during pandemics. Yeah. Essentially in saying like none of this is, 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 is a good idea. None of these kinds of policies, restrictive draconian policies, like the, like those mandates were, are a good idea. And then when the actual pandemic hit, they were silent on this. And sometimes they're taking up the other side and their, their traditional support of free speech is gone, evaporated. Um, and so, so that's, that's one irony that, 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 that they just, just even short, short while before they've been arguing against the kinds of procedures that actually ended up happening during the pandemic. The, the other irony is it was something you highlighted, right? These, the, the government is suppress is, it is suppressing misinformation, but, but in fact, what they're doing is they're cementing in place their own misinformation. And, and so you don't, you just, it's. Uh, what do you do? Like it's complicated. These co- these issues are complicated uh, regarding science policy, regarding COVID policy, and so on. The only real solution is to let speech happen, uh, to to actually just listen to the to, to the traditions of the, 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 the American civic religion, which is let let speech happen. Don't get in the way of it, even if it means that you're going to be criticized as a government. That's just normal part of being a government, um, uh, and and so like. You should just never use this power, even though you have it. Yeah, you can tell social media companies and threaten them to censor things, but you should, you, 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 especially when you think you're like 100% right, that's when you, is the least time when you should use it. Because if you're 100% right, what do you need it for? Right? People will defend the truth in addition to people, you know, someone might say, you know, 5G, you're, 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 the vaccine makes you magnetic. And there'll be a thousand yeah. people saying, no, no, look, I took the vaccine. I put a magnet on it. Didn't there's not there's no mag- magnetism going on there, right? So, like the, it was especially when you are saying things that are are one hundred percent true. That's the that's the time when you least need censorship. Yeah, yeah, and and you know the situation is complicated. There's no perfect solution, and it's true. You know, in, in certain pockets of the internet, um, and, you know, certain more prominent groups, others are more fringe. But you know, there are very an- there are very active anti-vaccine groups, right, that think that vaccines are killing millions of people, they're causing cancer, right, they're destroying, you know, fertility, and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And, you know, t- totally, there's good, there's good, probably some amount of people that looked at that information and didn't get vaccinated. And there are some stories of people like on their deathbeds, and, you know, the media did selectively, you know, cover this, and then, you know, amplified it times 100. But there were cases of people who, you know, didn't get vaccinated, I believe there was some prominent um, Christian pastors and kind of, uh, you know, political advocates who, you know, you know, nearing death or, or even after they died, you know, it was, the media covered it and showed that these people were discouraging people from getting vaccinated. And then, you know, they died, um, as a result of, you know, potentially not getting vaccinated. I mean, we don't know, but there were cases of people, um, on their deathbed, for example, who, you know, said like, go, go get vaccinated, like, don't take the risk. Um, and, and they were fed a certain kind of narrative about the vaccines being so incredibly 
dangerous and cancerous and lethal. Um, and then that kind of information got in the way of their own medical decisions. So we're, we're not dismissing, you know, those issues and obviously all the issues on the other side of vaccinating every infant and every young, healthy male and female, like there's issues on both sides and there's no, there's no way of eliminating any issue, right? Like there's going to be problems when you, when you have, when you have, when you, when you have free speech, you know, whether you're talking about gun control or abortion, scientific policy, vaccines, there's going to be people with different views. There's going to be all sorts of issues, all sorts of ramifications of having those conversations. There's no way to just completely stifle or control the whole narrative, right? You have to let the flow of information continue. Otherwise, then you're living in a totalitarian state where the government only controls the narrative. Well, in what world is there where you can imagine that only true things are all only said? It doesn't make any sense, right? So you're, yes, you're right that there are uh, people who say false things. Even during about COVID policy, they said false. People said false things, um, uh, and uh, and you know, like I mentioned about the vaccines making magnetic. You know, the irony is the funny thing is that the um, uh, the, the 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 government and some of these like fact checker folks would focus all of their attention on like these marginal theories that are obviously false. You know, something about 5G. I don't even know what the theory is. Some some, some 5G theory or some um, or some, you know, the, 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 and, and, they, and in order to in order to essentially say, look, there's all this misinformation going around. And then the, and the, but they would pile in people who are saying absolutely true things in that same bucket just because it was inconvenient. There's not a world that's possible where people only say true things. We just aren't omniscient gods. Um, so the issue is like, what social structures do we set up such that as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a general matter, you end up with more true things being believed than false things? And we have centuries of experience with this, but essentially the right way to do that is to, is to allow free speech. Ironically, by allowing false things to be said, you are much more likely to end up with true things being believed. Um, and you're right, Rob, there's cost on both sides. Like right? if people believe false things, they will end up, uh, they potentially could be harmed. But, you know, part of the issue is that um, people, when in response to the censorship regime itself, people distrust things said by experts, by, by, by the government. It induces a distrust that's general. Yeah. And so a lot of the, the rise in false beliefs arises as a result of the censorship regime itself. So, you know, you just, you're, we end up in the situation where like you have this like utopian idea of the government all knowing uh, silences all the bad guys. So only true things are believed. But in fact, what happens is the, the, the government's false ideas get promulgated and uh, the correction of it on, uh, from the outside doesn't doesn't get do, doesn't doesn't isn't allowed to happen, and the um, and and in response the people uh, distrust government so that they even disbelieve true things the government is saying. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and again, the, the internet is a, is a free place where you can access a wide range of ideas and beliefs and views on on, on every topic, right? And you know, well, one kind of interesting analogy I use with people is like, 
on, on some very important things like diet, there's so many differing views. Like I know people like the, the Peterson family, like Jordan Peterson, they follow carnivore diet. I have family, friends who you know are vegan. Some people who believe in paleo and keto and the Mediterranean diet. Very, very different diets. Totally different. Some people are just eating green plants. Other people are just eating meat. And that's their thing, right? This idea that there's one size fits all for everyone, right? That there's only one narrative right, is ludicrous. There's so much variance, there's so much diversity, and so many people who've had these big debates, you know, on, on these very complex topics about what to eat, what not to eat, how to exercise, how to not exercise, which drugs or which pharmaceuticals or which practices to use for sleep and anxiety and mental health issues. I mean, these are very, very complicated topics, right? Um, you know, even if we're putting politics aside, like something like diet, which is not political at all, right, whether you should be eating, you know, steaks, or you should be eating more zucchini or whatever, right? There's so much diversity of opinion, people who vehemently disagree on those topics. And that's fine. And that's allowed, right? You know, some people, you know, on one side, you know, you can see, you know, on the vegan aisle, some people, some very credible scientists think that eating meat, you know, can kill you in the long term, or, you know, has serious, you know, health consequences. And people on the other side, think that only eating plants is detrimental to your health, right? There's so much disagreement there, right? And so when it comes to COVID, you know, the government, you know, so arrogantly, you know, was behaving like totalitarians, right? That we have the true narrative, right? We, we know what's right. And they clearly weren't right, right? Because it didn't make sense for everyone to get vaccinated. Um, yet their narrative was to vaccinate everyone and not only vaccinate, but, you know, the first, second, third, the bivalent boosters for infants, right? Irrespective of risk and, you know, uh, all the individual circumstances that, go into whether a person chooses to get vaccinated or not, the school closures, the lockdowns. It's very obvious that those topics are very, very complicated, just like any other topic. And this idea that only one narrative is true and the others are false, going back to your point, that is what makes people really distrust the government is when they have that arrogance of we know the true way and this is the only way. And anyone outside of that is killing people, they're heretics and they deserve to be burned at the stake online on various platforms figuratively <laughs> yeah yeah figuratively <laughs> um yeah i think i think that i think um i think you've nailed it like that the problem with the illusion of consensus is that it it it, it people understand it's an illusion people start to understand it's an illusion and they just trust the people that created it um and uh that's that's unfortunately exactly where we are the nice thing about the this dowdy uh this uh, ruling this this missouri versus biden ruling um now it opens things up so that anyone who is suppressed was suppressed by uh, this, these kinds of actions now have a cause of action. Uh, we're uh, we're opening this up to be a class action now, so so that people um, people can can sue can join the suit and get their rights back. Uh, I, I should just one thing I should say. I, None of the folks that are involved in the case are going to make money off. That. I'm not going to make any money off of this. We're not seeking damages for money. What we're seeking is a restoration of free speech. Um, and that's what I think this ruling allows. It's a, and, uh, and uh, just just to close the, the loop as, as we close the pot, the pad podcast, um, the ruling by Judge Dowdy enjoins the federal government against these kinds of activities. But it's a preliminary injunction. The federal government, the Biden administration had a choice. They could have just accepted the injunction as permanent and never censor speech again. Instead, as you've, as you've read, um, they've decided to double down. Um, and what they're going to do 
it, what they've just done is they've appealed the case to the the, the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, federal federal judge. Um, if uh, the, the the courts there will hear it, uh, and I hope they uphold the injunction, um, and I, I suspect they will. I mean, it's a very well reasoned ruling, I think. But you know, I'm not a lawyer, so maybe I shouldn't I shouldn't opine on that. Um, and uh, but I think it th- this this likely has the chance of becoming a permanent precedent in American law. And and thus the most, I think the most important free speech protection ruling um, in the social media era, certainly the, among the most important in American history. Um, and it'll now pres- allow people, it gives people a path when they're censored uh, for uh, for for protecting for protecting themselves by by social media companies, the the, the goal would, the idea would be to find out was the censorship happening as a consequence of something the government told social media companies to do, or is it something that's part of their own content moderation policies that are in, endogenous to them? Um, and you can see then now with Missouri versus Biden, it's the government now has to defend itself. Um, so I think it's a really really important ruling, uh, and I and I I'm and I, I like I say like. The last three and a half years, it's been my my view of the benevolence of government has been challenged pretty substantially. I mean, not that I thought they were particularly benevolent before, but like the idea that the government could would violate this basic civil right never an American government would violate such a basic civil right never would have occurred to me before three and a half years ago. Um, and it's been dispiriting to watch. And uh, this is the first time in three and a half years I've had a lot of I've, I've had some hope that maybe some there is actually. Um, you know, something better around the corner. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, um, did you want to chat anything? Did you want to discuss anything about the, the origins of the censorship? I know you had some thoughts about that, like prior to the pandemic. Is there in your view, a certain kind of origin story to how this started? I mean, it's, it's complicated. So like we, we focused on the Biden administration because the Biden administration is in power, right? Uh, and they've, they've used these tools uh, in ways that pri- that I, I think no no previous administration used them, but the tools were put in place, I think systematically over the course of several administrations. Um, you know, so, so like I think uh, the the Obama administration um, put in place some of these tools in in, in, in as a way to address uh, you know as, as, as certain kinds of like essentially they, they they there was a law that was passed that allowed. The, that used to used to used to be the case that the United States couldn't use propaganda against its own citizens. They could you could do Voice of America and, and project it to other countries, but you weren't allowed to use those kinds of things within the U.S. That changed under the Obama administration, and um, the, the 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 idea of using. Um, Essentially, telling social media, cooperating with social media, the government cooperating with social media to tell it how to how to uh, how to manage, uh, you know, sort of uh, complicated policy things. That tool set, I think, got developed under the Obama under the under the Trump administration, right? Uh, there, at the 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 issue was like election interference by Russia. Well, how do you police that? And so, like that infrastructure got set up. By under the under the Trump administration, but under the Biden administration, those tools were weaponized, and they were weaponized in 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 uh, to support uh, the kinds of censorship activities on things that have nothing to do with uh, national security, on COVID policy, 
Um, and so I think this is, it's not, it's, it's interesting. I don't, I think this is kind of, in a sense, it's kind of, uh, is a bipartisan failure. Like it would really, we should have had this, uh, this sensibility that the federal government ought not have this power forever. And uh, what's happened during COVID and during the Biden administration is just the fruition of a long series of erosion of, of Americans' rights. Um, this is the first big step against that in a long time, this, this, this ruling by the judge in this Missouri versus Biden case. Yeah, yeah. Well, well one last thought I have too, um, kind of what I was talking about earlier already, is that you know, to, to what extent do we want to allow the government to do this if, if we're going to allow them to do this, right? Like the internet is a free place and you can get so many different ideas. So many people, you know, do various things upon, you know, looking at something on the internet, whether it's certain diets or taking certain drugs or doing certain things, you know, maybe trying certain religious practices or certain kinds of music or certain kind of political ideologies or certain kind of conspiracy theories. I mean, the internet is written with, with everything, right? Left, right, center. You know, if the government really believes that they're right and that there are lives on the line and they really care about, you know, people's health, why not just go all the way and just, you know, start censoring everything, you know, follow their, their the food pyramid guidelines, which many people have criticized, start censoring uh, uh, dissidents on their foreign policy on Ukraine, Russia, start censoring people, right, obviously on COVID and, you know, so many other policies, like why not just go all the way and just censor everyone else, Right. I mean, it, it does. It doesn't make sense. Right. It doesn't. There's no, make there's sense. no end to it. Right. So it, yeah. and, and the kind of society that it produces is not a society that I think most people want to live in. Right. We want this kind of freedom that we that I took for granted, frankly, before three and a half years ago um, is, is absolutely essential to living a, a real good life. Um, and, a, and a government that doesn't allow that kind of freedom that uses its power essentially to threaten um, the modern mechanisms of that kind of freedom, which is, is essentially like freedom to speak on 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 uh, on social media platforms on the internet, that uses its power to to uh, to smear the reputations of dissidents. Um, that is not the kind of government we ought to have. The kind of government we ought to have ought to respect, and, and it should be true regardless of your politics, right? This should be something yeah. that's universally believed. Uh, it's it's been shocking to me to see some of the commentary especially by some some folks on the center left uh essentially yeah. where they reveal like that they don't they don't share this i this basic common idea that i thought was universal in support of free speech yeah exactly yeah i i hope people on the center left and even on the far left um can learn you know through some of this that free speech is paramount to our values it is paramount to this civilization that we've created for ourselves with a free and open internet and social media platforms we, we, we need the free flow of ideas to... You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, like, it's not universally on... Like on the left, there are people, um, you know, well, Glenn yeah. Greenwald, uh, yeah. uh, Matt Taibbi, you mentioned, Barry yeah, Weiss. Those people are uh, hated. Those people are not working yeah, in the New York but, Times. But they're, but, they're, but they're like essentially holding up the values that the left... I yeah. thought I always had that. I always admired about the left, right? So yeah. like, you, have, you know, or, or you know, you, you agree or disagree with them about vaccines, RFK Jr., like one of the, one of the most interesting things about his campaign has been this defense of free speech and free, 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 free expression. Right. Um, and I think, uh, so I don't think it's universal on the left. It's just like the establishment yeah. left, the honest yeah. left has still maintained its, its old fashioned commitment to these fundamental basic civil rights. And I think that's quite admirable. Yeah. Yeah, of course. All right, Jay. Um, great talking to you. I think this was a great podcast. Um, we appreciate the listeners and readers for supporting us and for 
listening to our content. Um, I think this is uh, a very important news story, and I'm glad we have the platform to freely talk about it. I mean, this is this is an, an incredible age that we live in, thanks to Substack and the podcasting platforms to allow us to openly you know, talk about this with no time limit or any restrictions on what we can or can't say. And uh, we just appreciate people who are uh, listening to us and uh, engaging with our content. Thanks, Rav. Have a great day. All right.